0: hey, um, I'm going to need a discount on next month's bill. (laughs) Um, We're starting a series from the book of Proverbs, and we're talking about wisdom. And you look at the world today, and you see people that make decisions. um, And yes, that's kind of a, a comical example. But you see people make decisions, and you think, well, they don't have any common sense. They, they don't have any wisdom. There's no thought in behind. And so we're going to spend the next um, about month and a half looking at the book of Proverbs and practical sound bites of wisdom for our everyday life. Out in the foyer, you're going to find these little bookmarks, um, and it has a reading schedule. Um, the month of July has 31 days, and interestingly enough, there are 31 books in the book of Proverbs. And so there is one book a day that you're going to read, or one chapter a day that you're going to read, and you can cross it off if you're kind of that um, obsessive-compulsive personality that can keep up with it. But we want to, as a church, over the month of July, read through the book of Proverbs together. So pick one of these up. That's going to begin Saturday. And if you want to get ahead a little bit, you're welcome to, but um, please join us as we read together through the book Of Proverbs. So, as we jump into this series, I want to begin reading from Proverbs chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or if you have a screen that lights up, um, you can make it go there as well. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel... For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And he says in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, today we pray that as we open your word, Father, you will speak to us in a powerful way. Father, we pray that your presence would be here with us, that you would open up our hearts, our eyes, our ears, our minds to your word, and Father, leave us in Different than when we came in this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. We live in a world full of choices. There are choices that you make every single day. And it seems like if you watch the news or you pay attention to what's happening, there are so many choices that you have to make in regards to politics or regards to finances and money and raising your children, being a parent being a single person or being married in your relationship. And you have to make these choices every single day, hundreds of them that you probably don't think much about. But one of the things that you're going to learn in your life, and for some of you, you've already learned this. For others, you're in the middle of learning this right now, and it's this, your ability or inability to make wise decisions over time, will have an impact on your life. Your ability or inability to make wise decisions over time will have a major impact on your life. And the book of Proverbs is written to help you in those decisions. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about kind of the, the theme of the book of Proverbs. If you were to sum it up just in a, a couple of, of phrases, um, if you fear God and you live righteously, then you will be happy, healthy, and prosperous. I mean, in essence, that is the book of Proverbs. And on the other hand, you, you have other wisdom traditions, like Ecclesiastes. Um, like Job, that come from the wisdom tradition because while most of the time that's the case, if you fear God, you live righteously, then you're going to be happy, healthy, and prosperous. While that's the case most of the time, there are times that it's not. And so this wisdom tradition, these really five books of, of wisdom literature, Psalms, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Psalms, um, compose this um, description of what it looks like to live in this world. And so, Proverbs begins with how you gain wisdom and understanding. And as he ends that section, he says in verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so this morning, I want to kind of tackle three questions for you. What is wisdom? Why do I need wisdom? And then how do I gain wisdom? What is wisdom? Why do I need wisdom? And how do I gain wisdom? Wisdom. And so Solomon in his writing begins with, well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And one of the things that you need to know about wisdom is wisdom is knowledge. It's knowing something about something. You can be wise with money, but to be wise with money, you have to know about money and you have to know about finances. You can be wise in your relationship, but to be wise in your relationship, you have to know about relationships and how things work. You can be wise as a parent, but you have to understand and know, have knowledge of how to parent. But wisdom isn't just simply knowledge. At the very least, it's knowledge. But it's more than that. And in this first little section, he gives you some words that he wants you to pick up on and wants you to understand. The, these words are for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, and for receiving instruction and in prudent behavior, for doing what is right and what is just and what is fair. So insight is part of Wisdom. It's not just knowledge, it's also insight. What is insight? Insight is the ability to look at a situation and see what others do not see. To look at a relationship, to look at finances, and to see what other people do not see. And so it's insight, but it's also prudence. And prudence is one of those words in our culture that kind of has a bad rap. You know, they're a prude. But prudence really means more, it's strategic. It's practical. And it's not just insight, but it's also foresight. It's not just the ability to look at a situation and see what, it's, what, what you need to do, but also to look ahead of the situation and see where this ends up. So you can have knowledge about money, and you can know what Solomon writes in Proverbs about money. You can also know what Dave Ramsey says about money and finances. But you also need insight to be able to look at our world that tells you, hey, you need this. Buy this. You'll feel good if you have this. Spend your money. Go into debt. And you can have knowledge. Well, the the borrower is slave to the lender. You can have that knowledge and understand that, but you've got to have insight to see into it, to see the truth of it. But not just the insight, but also the foresight. To see what happens, what, what comes next, what comes down the road. If I continue to spend my money this way, if I continue to go into debt, well, here's where it's going to lead me to. See, you can have knowledge about something and not have wisdom. Correct? You, you can have knowledge about something and not make wise decisions. So is wisdom knowledge? Yes, but it's more than that. Is it just insight and foresight? Yes, but it's more than that. Is it just this good moral compass and being a good person? Yes, but it's more than that. That wisdom is is taking all these things that we know. In fact, there's a, a German theologian. I love the way that he summed up wisdom. He said this, competence with regard to the realities of life and competence with regard to how life really works. What is wisdom? It's competence with regard to the realities of life and competence with regard to how life really works. That is what wisdom is. So then the question, why do I need wisdom? Well, the first reason is pretty simple, because Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so there's this kind of um, paradox of the wise and the foolish. And so if, and this, this is really easy, it's multiple choice, A and B, okay? If you are not wise, then you are what? Foolish. If you are not wise, then you are foolish. What what does the fool do? The fool despises wisdom. The, The fool despises instruction. That is the first reason you need to have wisdom. Because you don't want to be a fool. But it goes so much deeper than that. See, there's some big choices that you make in life. If you ever had to make a big decision that was deeply rooted in morality? You had to make an enormous decision And it's one of those decisions where you're searching Scripture and you're trying to figure out what the right thing is to do. And you're talking to other people who have maybe been there and trying to get understanding and insight from them. And and those decisions probably account for about 10% of the decisions we make. But then there's the other 90% of decisions Decisions that really aren't based on morality. And the Bible doesn't speak directly to. For instance, should I take this job or that job? Should I go to this school or that school? Should I send my kids to a public school or to a private school? Should I get the cheeseburger for lunch or the chicken salad. There there are those 90% of the decisions that we make that there's really not a passage that we can turn to and say, well, obviously the chicken salad is the right choice. But wisdom will tell you that there is some importance in those decisions. Because as we just said, your ability or inability to make those decisions will have a major impact on your life. Correct? Some of you understand this. I, I understood this a few years ago because I always chose the cheeseburger. And it had a major impact on my life. The way that you parent... Will have a major impact. And some of the little decisions aren't rooted in morality. It's just about simply making a wise choice. So it seems simple, right? Make the wise choice and everything is going to go well, and make the foolish choice and everything's going to fall apart and go bad. And so as Solomon writes here in Proverbs, it's interesting how he describes wisdom. Skip down to verse 20. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. So wisdom in Proverbs is personified as a woman. Sorry. I have no rhythm, by the way. Wisdom is personified as a woman. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All ladies are like quick with that one, huh? Did any husbands get an elbow? Wisdom is personified as a woman. And the woman stands at the city gate, She's out in the streets, she's there, and she's at the top of the wall, and she's calling out to anyone who will listen, pleading with people, listen to me, listen to these words, listen to what I'm sharing with you, listen to this, and your life will go well, listen to this, and Fill yourself with the fear of the Lord. Fill yourself with righteousness, and you're going to be happy, healthy, and blessed. Listen to these words. And what's really interesting is wisdom has a chip on its shoulder. Wisdom kind of has this this other side that's kind of funny. In verse 25, Since you disregard my advice. This is what wisdom says. Since you disregard my advice and do not accept my rebuke. I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock you when calamity overtakes you. Like, wisdom has this this kind of other side where it's, I'm calling out, I'm available to you, take my words, let them lead you to life. But if you don't, when you disregard my words, I'm going to be right there in your face saying, you should have listened. If, If you had only listened, you wouldn't be in this situation. If you had only listened to me and controlled your anger and not had that outburst, things would be different right now. If you had only listened and you kept the lust in check, your marriage would be in a different place. If you'd only listened to my words, your kids might have been in a different place than they are today. Listen to me. I'm available. I'm there. I'm calling out. And so it seems easy. It, it basically says wisdom is all around you, and you just have to listen to the words of wisdom. But there is another character in Proverbs. Not just the wise, but also the foolish. And the foolish is also personified as a woman. No amens there, right? And I want you to listen to the words. In chapter 5, because in chapter 1 we have wisdom that's there calling out available to everyone. And in chapter 5, verse 3, For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as gall. Sharp as a double-edged sword, Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. And so wisdom is personified as I'm out there, I'm available to you. Take these words and let them give you life. But the flip side is there's another woman who's walking through the streets saying, take these words and let them give you life. This is what it means to live. This is what it means to be alive. This is what it means to have a significant life. Come and take these words and let them fill you with life. But the problem with her words is they don't fill with life. They fill with death. And these words lead to the grave. See, they're both completely available to you. And both call out to you. But you have to learn wisdom and discernment so that you choose the right choice, that you make decisions, that you make choices with wisdom. So, how? Do I gain wisdom? And as Solomon says, the beginning is the fear of the Lord. Now, do you notice something about fear here? Typically, when we think of fear, do we think of fear as a good thing or a bad thing? It's typically a bad thing, right? Even most of the time, I think, in Scripture... We think of it as a bad thing. Jesus says, and throughout Bi- the Bible, God tells the people of Israel, don't be afraid. In, in John, it says that perfect love casts out fear. That we think of fear as this negative thing, but here, the writer of Proverbs puts it in this positive light, where fear Is all of a sudden a good thing because this fear is going to lead to life. This fear is going to lead to knowledge. This fear is going to lead to wisdom. And I never really understood this until I started thinking back. You see, I have a past that I'm not real proud of. Some of you know this, others of you don't. I'm just going to confess right now I, I feel awful. In my past, I was an Oakland A's fan. I know. I know. But those were my heroes growing up. Mainly because we didn't really have heroes in Texas at the time. But... Those were my heroes, Conseco and McGuire. Do, do you remember back in 1991, there was a Major League umpire named Steve Plamermo who was shot in Arlington trying to break up a robbery? He's trying to save a life. Well, he was paralyzed from that. And after he was paralyzed, um, Major League Baseball all over the United States tried to do some really cool things Um, to raise money for him. And one of the things that they did here in Arlington is they had a card show and I collected baseball cards and they had all the players who were in town that weekend from Texas and Oakland come to sign autographs. And so I got my chance and I waited in line for like two or three hours with my dad at the Arlington Convention Center. And finally, I got up to the front of the line, and right in front of me was Jose Canseco. Steroids and all. (laughs) Like, I think he had a needle sticking out of his arm at the time. (laughs) And he signed a baseball for me. And, And so this is me, my junior high self looking at this guy who's like 6'3 or 6'4 in these massive muscles and just thinking, oh my goodness. This is the most incredible moment of my life. And in that, that moment, there was just this sense for me as a little kid of awe. Like, that's that's what I want to be when I grow up. Thankfully, I'm not. But that's, at the time, (laughs) what I wanted to be. When we talk about this fear of God, it's not this fear of God wants to punish me, and God wants me to be extra crispy. But is this sense of I am in the presence of Almighty God. And I am in awe and I am humbled and I am amazed and I cannot believe that I get to be here in His presence. And if you were... able to be in the presence of that person, you would want more than anything to please them. You would want more than anything for your life to reflect him. You, You would want more than anything to appear wise before him and not foolish. Because you would want to be seen by him in this perfect light. You would want to be seen by him. And so the awe and the wonder and the amazement and the mystery and the astonishment carries over. See, the first kind of fear we talk about is really a negative fear because it's a selfish fear because it's really concerned about me. But the second type of fear we're talking about, is it concerned with me? It's concerned with them. I'm concerned with how they see me. I'm not concerned with what happens to me. I'm concerned with how I'm viewed and how I'm seen in their their presence. And that fear is not selfish. That fear is selfless. But the fear that says protect me and take care of me and I don't want is this negative selfish fear. It's the type of fear that Jesus said get rid of. Don't let this control your life. Let this type of fear this selfless fear where you're willing to give up what you want for someone else let that fear control and rule over your life. Because I don't want to in any way dishonor this person or bore this person or offend this person and certainly not grieve this person. See, that is a joyful fear. It's a positive fear. Just imagine if you were given a priceless vase from the Ming Dynasty thousands of years old, worth millions and millions of dollars, and someone handed it to you. There would be such care that you took when holding it and protecting it because you realized the worth and the value of it. That that you understood what would happen if it broke or if you let it down. That you would take care of it. And so these words to the wise that give life are these words that lead us and they begin with fearing God. Not in this negative sense, but in this positive sense. That we want with everything within us to please Him because He is holy and righteous and good. So do you have A positive or negative fear of God. And I think the the only way that you can really have this positive fear is to really take hold of the words that Paul tells us that in Christ there is no condemnation. Like, do you believe that? You stand before Almighty God, this holy and perfect God, justified because of Jesus. And He does not condemn you. And so because you are not condemned, you don't have to live in fear of being condemned. You have the opportunity to live in freedom and to live in life. And to follow those words that lead to life and not that lead to death, but it's going to take wisdom to understand that. See, and just as we see fear most of the time as a negative word, we also see fool as a negative word. And and Solomon does say that, but Paul kind of flips things on its head. In, In verse 18 of chapter 1, Paul says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Skipping down to verse 20, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God... The world, through its wisdom, did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Now, listen to what he says a stumbling block to the Jews. A stumbling block to the Jews. Foolishness to the Gentiles. Why a stumbling block to the Jews? Because Messiahs don't die. Saviors don't die. Kings who are killed are no longer kings. Why is it foolishness? Why is it a stumbling block? Because that doesn't happen. And then foolishness to the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles conquered by power and might. By putting a king on a throne and leaving him there. And letting him take his will and exert it over everyone in the kingdom. And everyone would bow to him. And so to say the king, the Messiah, the Savior, the true king of Israel died... That's foolishness. Because we know that death does not lead to life. We know that death simply ends in death. And so Paul says, this message, this message that we're preaching is foolishness to this world. But to those of us who are in Christ, it is the power of God. That God has the power, he has the might, he has the ability to reach into death and pull you out of death and into life. And the problem is the adulterous woman is so seductive and saying, hey, come, come follow me. Come follow me. This leads to life. Get all you can. Let your anger control things. Let your power and might and all that you can acquire and all that you can accomplish, all that's good. Take it. Take it. Come and follow me. Come and get everything you can for yourself. And then there's this other lady in the streets calling out in wisdom. Come and die to yourself. And you are going to find But it's so hard because the the woman's so seductive and she drips honey from her lips and... Come. Sacrifice yourself. And you will find life. when we talk about wisdom, and we talk about foolishness, I'm guessing for most of you in here, you can pick out a lot of words that describe foolish people, <clears throat> and here's my guess, is most of the things that you would pick out to describe them probably don't apply to you. Because we like to see ourselves as wise. And so we're really quick to point out the things that other people struggle with. And we're not so quick to point out the things that we struggle with. We're, We're not so quick to let go of the things that we feel make us secure. Even though they may be the same things that make someone else feel secure. See, wisdom... This fear, it begins not with looking at what other people look like before God. It begins by asking a really important question. How do I appear before God? And beginning to understand that in Christ, you Do not stand condemned. And so whatever it is in your life that you're afraid God is going to see, he has already seen it and he has already paid the price for it and he is calling you to let it go. Because it's the foolishness that we think is wise, that we think is wisdom that continues to hold us back from pursuing Christ as we can and experiencing that freedom. And this morning, we simply want to offer you the invitation, wherever you are in your relationship with Christ, to simply let go of the things that are holding you back from Him. Don't get your stuff ready yet. Just listen. There are things in your life that you try every week to hide from everyone else here. And you're terrified of what would happen if they saw. What is it in your life that you don't want other people to see? Because my guess is you don't want God to see it either. And the beautiful part of it is He has. And in Him, You don't stand condemned for it. You are freed by his grace and by his mercy. So live into it. Accept it. And live in the wisdom that begins as we gain knowledge in the fear of the Lord. Father, today we pray as your people, we will let go of the things that are holding us back from you. The things that we're ashamed of, the things we hope people cannot see and do not see. And Father, whatever they are, greed or pride or lust or anger, Father, we pray that we would let go. We would surrender all that we are to you. And Father, in that surrender, find life in Christ. And so, Father, we pray this today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have never given your life to him, um, come, give your life to him, be baptized, and stand in the freedom of the grace and the mercy of Christ. Not condemned, but set free. And if we could simply pray for you, we're going to have ministry staff, we're going to have shepherds around this auditorium. We would love whatever we could do to help you in your walk as we stand and we sing.